Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hi, I'm Anoush, and on today's episode of the New Statesman podcast, I'm joined by our polling expert, Ben Walker, and our environment correspondent, India Bork, to discuss the Greens and their future and how well they did at the local elections. Thanks so much for joining us, both of you. Good to be here. Likewise. So you've both written fascinating pieces in the wake of the local election results, looking at the successes that the Green Party had and what direction the party is moving in. Obviously, they've had a run of good local election results in the past few years, and they've broken the, I think they've called it the 500 barrier. So they now have 547 councillors on 167 councils. And what's really interesting, and what you both picked up on in your pieces, is that they have been taking council seats, both from Labour and the Conservatives. I think in the last local elections last year, it was pretty much equal. And then this year, it was more from Labour. But of course, there were more Labour seats up for grabs. But what they will be delighted about behind the scenes when you speak to them is that they have such a, a range across the country of, of victories. And Ben, you've done this uh, really great map that just shows the total spread so from the Wirral to Newham to Hastings to Rutland. I mean, it's just all over the place, which obviously will present challenges as well as a morale boost. Ben, first of all, why don't you take us through some of the more interesting um, results and the numbers? Thank you for having me. The Greens, as you say, their they're gains, their wins, their breakthroughs are so geographically uh, disparate, random almost. They're winning in leave areas, leave voting areas as much as remain. They're winning in these the gentrified parts of West Yorkshire just as much as they are on the more deprived red brick bits of the Wirral. It, it, it's remarkable. When, when we were charting the rise of UKIP, which perhaps I think we covered a lot more than we have covered the rise of the Greens, it, it was very much stereotypical. It was demographic. It was white working class part of England, lower levels of, you know, qualifications deprived across the board. The Greens, however, anywhere and everywhere. Perfect example is North Yorkshire. You have them, or North and West Yorkshire rather, you have them winning in uh, Saltaire, which is quite a, a done up old, would I call it a factory town? It's a bit north of Bradford that has gained in affluence, that has rediscovered its purpose from industry. That, that is a bit more gentrified. And then you also have them winning right out in the sticks in North Yorkshire, not too far from where I'm born. And I, I, when I was looking at the results, I was a bit like, they won there? I, I, that was a bit of a shock. I didn't expect that, really. Um, but yes, Newham, also a good example. Newham, which has been electing nothing but the Labour Party for the past, I don't know, 20 or something years. And there are 66 uh, council seats and two of them were won by the Greens uh, a few weeks ago, which came as a shock. They, co they come out of the woodwork. They come out of nowhere. And you have to wonder, how do they do this? 
often they win in normally safe boroughs, safe seats for the Conservatives, or more so this year, safe seats for Labour. And they, every Green I've spoken to always say this, which is the local party, the establishment party, has taken these areas for granted. You've, you, we've all probably followed canvassers, campaigners on the ground. Uh, and and, and what, the, what the Greens say as well is that their opponents, the establishment, the incumbents, don't bother campaigning. They don't bother door knocking. So what the Greens do is they pick up on that. They go into areas that have been untouched by election machines because, as we know, in, in first-past-the-post, safe seats don't get touched as much as, as marginals, and the Greens exploit that because they show themselves as a local champions. They show themselves as an independence, in a way. They, they, they are new kids on the block, and the question is for now, will it stay that way? And do you think? Yeah, that's the question, isn't it? And that is interesting that you use that phrase, they take us for granted. Yes, I have heard Green Party uh, figures say that when they're out campaigning, but that I've also heard UKIP saying that when I was out following them in when, whenever their surge was 2015. And that's very common f- to hear from what perhaps we unfairly in Westminster term the protest parties. But India, in your piece, the headline of your piece actually was that the green surge is more than a protest vote. So what made you come to that conclusion when you were talking to different people who had won various seats across the country? Well, part of the headline is the fact that success isn't just measured in seats. And maybe we can talk later about the impact that these um, new councillors are having and, and that the surge is having. But yeah, more more directly on whether their success will continue. I do think there's quite a few (laughs) numerous reasons why they do have cause for optimism. As their co-leader, Carla Denyer, pointed out to me, she said, look, a single seat race through uh, on one council often leads to multiple gains in the future. So that happened for her on the Bristol Council. I think it also happened in Brighton and and various other places. As Ben says, like that they do campaign locally and they also was stressing that they, you know, they do it year round and they're very committed. And combined with that, they have an emphasis on kind of practical local solutions to global problems. So you might have Labour saying, oh, we're going to introduce a windfall tax, which is great. And it's great that the Conservatives are picking that up and actually considering it now, it seems. But Labour can't actually implement that. Whereas the Greens are coming along and saying, look, we can do this X, Y and Z at a very local level. And if you vote for us, it will actually happen because we can control that at a local level. And then I suppose the big background reason, which you just can't ignore, is that the climate crisis keeps worsening. And I I think people are very aware of that. And there's an interesting correspondence between the fact the green surge, you can see it really picking up in 2018. And that corresponds to obviously the kind of rise of the protest movements we've seen with the Extinction Rebellion, etc., and the Fridays for Future movement. But also there was a big UN report from the International Panel on Climate Change released in 2018. And that really hammered home that if urgent action wasn't taken to reduce emissions, then, you know, temperatures were not going to be kept within one, under 1.5 degrees warming. And it laid out the various, like very clearly the various differences between 1.5 degrees of warming and 2 degrees of warming and how you know species loss would be twice as bad, heat, the extreme heat would be 2.6 times worse, I think, or something. So that correspondence is really important too, I think. And that's so interesting because I, I remember when there was a time when the Greens were actually leaning more towards being the anti-austerity party and going quite hard on radical economic policies. In the days of Natalie Bennett's leadership, when they were trying to vie for that left-wing space against Ed Miliband's Labour Party. And it seems that 
with the you know increasing urgency of the climate crisis that you laid out so well there, India, they have found more of their confidence, their core brand, as more and more voters put the environment further towards the top of the issues that they vote on. I think environment was, it was the first time it was in the top three voting issues in, in the last general election. So I think that's really interesting. They've found that they've almost found their voice again with the fact that this issue has so much urgency and more salience among voters. And at the same time, behind the scenes in the party, that's corresponded with a culture change where you have so many more people who are tapped into what they need to do to win. You have these sort of like electoral strategists. They always have had that, but it's not been the kind of uh, motivating factor in the party or something that's necessarily uh, been the thing that kind of pervades behind the scenes throughout the party's machinery. It used to be a lot of very well-meaning sort of people based in a few local areas, mainly targeting well-educated urban city dwellers, having visions for a better world. But now it's kind of, you know, we know what we need to do to win. Ben, I was really struck by this quote in in your piece. You were speaking to Nate Higgins, a very young new councillor in Newham who had just won. And he said, <laughs> he was talking about this sort of flat pack election plan that they now have. And he was saying the amount of work it asks of you is obscene. <laughs> <laughs> which kind of, I mean, obviously he did very well to win, but it sounds like he was probably exhausted when he spoke to you as well. Did you get in that that impression when you were talking to activists? There's a new way of them approaching elections. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, 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 uh, there's, there's two types of campaigners in the country right now. There are people who, who just shove leaflets through doors and think they've done a good day's work. And then there are those who do the door knocking. And I've noticed as well, like in really even safe Labour boroughs, Labour activists are just not knocking on the doors of their own boat. They are, and I'm probably imagining the same for conservative activists. There is a level of laziness, I think, amongst the, if you want to call them the establishment parties, that f towards their voters and the Greens, the Lib Dems, and in some cases, Labour in places they're insurgent in being Worthing or, or perhaps even Stevenage and bits of Runnymede. What they do, what, what the Greens do, which is quite interesting, it's, it's similar to what some Labour activists do and indeed Lib Dems, which is, I was speaking to one on the Wirral, a Harry Gorman, who won Prenton last year off Labour on a, on a pretty shocking big swing, okay? Prenton is in Birkenhead. It's mm. not exactly the most affluent. It's not exactly the most qualified. It's got its fair share of deprivations and problems, okay? And, and what they do is they shove these questionnaires for your, door, for your doors. That's about the first point of contact. And it's, what are your most important issues? What's important to you? And often, it's not necessarily like political environment. It's like local environment. It's like the cleanliness of the streets. It's like bins. Mm -hmm. it's, it's a bit more like the aesthetic, the upkeep of our community. And I should let you know, a uh, declaration of interest here, I, I am a parish councillor myself. And I, I did a survey for my community, which sort of asked, what are your priorities as well? And it wasn't bus lanes, it wasn't youth provision, it wasn't jobs. It was really, am I proud of my community? Am I proud of my streets? And the Green brand, it, it's the least disliked brand out of all the main parties because the Greens don't seem threatening or necessarily like uh, antagonistic, like the Labour or Tory brands is. So what the Greens do is they seek out your priorities, and if your priorities align with the Greens, they will cater literature, door knocking, interviews, questions to you all year round. So when I was speaking to Harry on the Wirral, who won it, like I say, won his seat last year, he was started campaigning in, I think, 2019. OK, so from the start of COVID, before the start of COVID to uh, the first elections since COVID, he, he was regularly going on door knocking. He was, hey, you, you said in our questionnaire you're interested in how housing is going on in Birk Birkenhead uh, Centre. How do you feel about that? And it's catering, the, it's catering your messaging to them, which mass parties, bigger parties, 
don't often do or haven't been doing. And that's why part of the reason why the Greens gained big in St. Helens, part of the reason why the Greens are quite consistently present on the Wirral, why they are, are now picking up what were once safe Tory seats in the part of the country that I grew up in, it's they are exploiting, like any uh, logical campaigner would do, they're, they're exploiting laziness by the establishment parties, really. That's so interesting because India, you spoke to one of those one of those people, Alex Cat, who defeated a member of the Norwich City Council cabinet, a Labour councillor in the most recent locals, and they were saying to you, people see other parties arguing on national issues, but they were actually going around looking at what people wanted them to do on the ground. Yes, exactly. Like they look at the local issues, and that does have have an impact. So another councillor I spoke to, she's like the Greens on the council. She'd just been elected to Exeter but there's some Greens already on the council there and she was like it was the Greens who had to really speak up in these uh, meeting on a new kind of housing development that was being planned which had no electric car charging points or bike racks being built into the plans and they they were in shock because they were like how can this council be claiming to be sustainable and to be prioritizing green issues and sustainability and then not doing very simple local level things like this so yeah they, the greens can have a big impact in it at that local level but i also think there's an interesting kind of russian doll phenomenon happening in terms of they have their position of the local issues that they're supporting and demanding action on but a lot of those are to do with things like more regulation not less regulation and more environmental protection and it's interesting they're making gains in blue wall areas i think as well and there's some polling, recent new polling out by Unchecked. And that shows that actually people in the same areas, those those blue conservative areas, they don't support deregulation. And if anything, they're more they're in support of more of it. And in the environmental context, that's quite interesting. Definitely. And this is what I wanted to come on to, actually. So thanks for mentioning that. Something that our listeners will probably be particularly interested in hearing is whether or not they do represent a threat to, in in the words of one Green Party advisor, those perhaps older, more liberal types who are put off slightly by the current Conservative Party, perhaps in those seats that we broadly define as the blue wall. I know that there was one Labour MP actually who had some losses to the Greens in their patch who was defining the Greens as the new Lib Dems. And I'm not sure if that's necessarily an insult to the Greens either, because I've heard within the party them kind of thinking about the Lib Dems in the days of Charles Kennedy. Tony Blair wasn't left enough and uh, the Lib Dems were seen as another option, but they were also doing really well in rural areas as well as the urban centres and picking up those more socially liberal voters who were in those conservative areas. So, Ben, do they represent more of an electoral threat to uh, the governing party than the Labour Party, which perhaps, you know, perhaps casual sort of people who aren't as tapped into politics might assume that the Greens do better in just in cities and in Labour places? There is a argument right now, which is that the green gains could not be sustainable. Uh, They are gaining in both so-called blue wall, red wall, labor safe seats, Tory safe seats. And part of this is a consequence of the green brand, not necessarily being associated with left-right politics. It's being, it's, it's new kids on the block. There's nothing bad you can say about the green party. They stand for environmentalism, which the vast majority of the country agrees with, sympathizes with. And so you tend to think like, where can the greens go wrong? 
when they go on the national scene, when they start, they enter the leaders' debates, or re-enter the leaders' debates rather, and start competing with Labour on the Conservatives' issues of the cost of living and the economy, they will then be defined by the left-right divide. And, and there's a risk that they will turn some of their voters that they won over in this year's council elections and last year's and the years before. And so their vote, their, their target seats, their, their bastions of strength may be changed and reconfigured. They may start losing their seats in North Yorkshire, but gaining or, or concentrating in places like Newham, Norwich, Bristol. We don't really know yet. The Greens are, the challenge for the Greens is that we don't know in which direction where they will go. We really don't. The Greens in Germany, what they did is that they're more appealing. They're not, not exactly left-wing in the extreme. They're, they're, sent, they're, sent. they're quite Lib Demi. And they were able to appeal to Christian Democrats just as much as they were liberals, slightly socialist people. And we need to think, we need to wonder, can the Greens do that here in Britain? In terms of electoral future, where can they gain in a parliamentary context? And this is the thing, this is the problem with the Green gains. You look at a map and I did a map and it showed the Greens are gaining everywhere. The Greens are gaining in different parts of England, but are they concentrating in any places of a parliamentary constituency? Yes and no, there are a few. You've got Norwich South. Keep an eye on that one day, maybe. So there's a high student population there that, that moved away from the Greens in 2018 back to Labour. We can probably attribute that to Jeremy Corbyn's uh, leadership of the Labour Party there. The Greens are coming back there in a big way. They, they won the city centre. They won a fair chunk of the Norwich South area uh, this year. Bristol as well, definitely worth keeping an eye on that. We don't really know to what extent they could pull it off in a general election. The Member of Parliament for the uh, Bristol West constituency, Thangam Debonair. She is a popular liked MP. Can the Greens really pull it off into in seating her? We don't know. And then, then, but and these are Labour seats. These, these where the Greens are focusing mm. their vote, where the Greens are concentrating their support is in Labour seats in Blue Wall, in Tory areas. It's a bit more disparate, but. And I, I do apologise for the long rant here. That they, they they are. The, I think the potential yeah. in blue wall areas is a lot higher because when you think of Tory voters, they are as much as broad church as Labour voters, if not more. Okay, during the Cameron years, which Cameron appealed to quite successfully, was this kind of environmentally conscious, quietly liberal but still conservative voting Tory voter. And these types of voters have from the Conservative Party. They're a lot more academically qualified than the national average. And they've been flirting with the Liberals, with Labour uh, and indeed the Greens. And there's a lot of potential with them, mm. the Greens. Mm. But again, it depends. Will they define themselves uh, as friendly enough to them on the national scene? I, I, I just I love Ben's level of granular detail because it's so important in the kind of in the political system that we have, it's that it matters so much where votes are concentrated. I suppose from the big picture view, the thing that I found quite impressive was just how much youth support the Greens have. So longer term, if we're thinking about trends, they they have so many of their new councillors are have come up through the young Greens. They have mm. a large youth vote, and I do think that's an interesting pointer for the direction of future politics, perhaps. <laughs> Hi, it's Anoush here. This is just a reminder that as a podcast listener, you have the option of subscribing to The New Statesman with a very special offer. You can subscribe for just a pound a week. That's 12 weeks for £12. If you go to newstatesman.com forward slash podcast offer. We'll be right back. From The New Statesman comes a new podcast, Audio Long Reads. The best of our reported features and essays read aloud. Songs are like tattoos, Mitchell said on Blue. 
Having one written about you is immortality and fiction rolled into one. Featuring writing from our authors, including Kate Mossman on Joni Mitchell's former muse and lover, Jeremy Cliff on his journey through France before this year's presidential election, and Sophie McBain on the refugee crisis. Don't die, he kept shouting. He didn't answer when Marwa screamed back, Who is dying? Ease into the weekend with our audio long reads, published every Saturday morning. Just search Audio Long Reads wherever you get your podcasts. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. And now it's time for a section we like to call You Ask Us. So our listeners would like to ask you, would the Greens work in coalition with Labour in government? So, I mean, obviously we are a long way from this and we ended our last discussion by talking about the challenge for breaking through into representing more Westminster constituencies. But could this actually happen? Could there be an alliance of the so-called progressive parties? It looks like it will be tough for Labour to govern next time on its own. And there's been a lot of talk about unofficial packs between uh, Lib Dems and Labour. But what about the Greens? I mean, what's interesting is that the Greens are actually part of ruling administrations now on 18 councils. And I think some are still going through negotiations. So they've shown themselves on a national level that they can work with other parties to govern. And of course, you have the Scottish Greens as well, who have an arrangement with the SNP. The Greens probably do have more of a reputation as a coalition building or a cooperative party. India, how is it working on the ground at the moment for, for Greens who, who are trying to negotiate their new places on these councils. People I spoke to said Greens are very good at being very cooperative on councils and often that works really well and they have a hugely positive influence as a result. I think London is a very good, that the London Assembly is a very good example of that. They've had green policies that can be seen to have been picked up by Sadiq Khan's new zero carbon pathway, etc. But I did drop a message to Nate Tiggins, who, who Ben mentioned earlier, just been elected to the Newham Council, which was very Labour, traditionally council. And he said the first few days in the jobs have been a bit, bit wobbly in <laughs> terms of Labour's been apparently quite intransigent when it comes to committee allocations. So where where the Greens get, get their say on things. And um, they've refused the kind of co- configurations that the Greens have been suggesting and it's been quite a tussle. And so that, that isn't looking so good for how Labour's going to behave more widely in the next four years. Maybe they're having a concern about having an, a slightly more threatening Green opposition. Well, that's interesting, isn't it? Because um, where the Greens come in and rattle these well, you can only really call them one party state kind of councils. It's a microcosm for the national picture because while it's difficult for, for politicians to say on record, yes, we would with X party in government because they don't want their voters to think if I vote them, I get X. Behind the scenes, they are open to these negotiations and it really takes two to tango and Labour yeah. and the Lib Dems need to be willing to come to the table too. So I think that's the, the obstacle. Ben, what do you think? 
Yeah, yeah. I've got a lovely story for you. Picture this. 2013, Norfolk County Council. UKIP just broke through. It was This was the first election after the Eastleigh by-election where they really broke through onto the political scene. In Norfolk, things were a lot more split. The Greens have a go at gaining seats. They gain a good number. Labour, they're on their up sort of because the Lib Dems are collapsing. And UKIP really comes second across all of Norfolk, right? Who's going to be, who's going to run the council? What, what happens is this. You have a coalition, an administration between UKIP, Labour, the Lib Dems and the Greens. They all got into bed together to run Norfolk <laughs> County Council for a few years, only for a few years. It didn't work out quite a long. And the only reason they did it was because they wanted to get rid of an incinerator in the county or oppose the construction <laughs> of one. I can't remember it. That one single issue that vexed across the party. It, did it work out? Yeah, I don't think it got built. But the coalition, I think, fell apart. But nothing else quickly. got done either. <laughs> you know, absolutely nothing else. But yeah, this is one perfect example of the Greens are just existing, capable of working if they have to, if they need to. Okay. Another example is where I'm based. I'm based in Chester. And uh, we have one Green councillor on Cheshire West and Chester. The guy represents a quite previously Tory ward of Helsby. And Helsby's quite affluent, quite, I wouldn't say gentrified. It's got its fair share of professionals, right? It's a nice little yeah. village on the outskirts of Chester here. And the Greens, the Green Council is not in coalition with the Labour administration, but they talk and they cooperate on certain things. And in 2015, the Greens didn't put up that much of an effort in Chester because they got a commitment from the Labour Party that they would go really hard against fracking in the area. There was a risk uh, in in my parish council, for which I'm part of, that, that fracking was going to happen. And the fact Labour came out against it was one of the reasons why the Greens didn't put up an effort here. But there is a capacity from the Greens to work with what exists. They're not strong-headed enough to just go hard against everything. They want to. They're willing to cooperate. They're willing to work, which is perhaps something Conservative councillors and Labour councillors don't often do. They are. A, I don't want to show bias, but they are demonstrating a positive influence in some councils across the country. But again, though, however. You have some areas where they are opposing housing developments and other others where they're completely backing them. Okay, they are finding political issues, they're exploiting them, and they are, in their eyes at least, standing up for the constituents they were elected by. Yeah, and I suppose in in their positive spin on that kind of thing, they would be maturing into a a political party with the sort of all of the tactics that political parties do employ. And what's most interesting practically is that if they were going, you know, say they won a few more seats in the next election, which is their their aim and they enter into some kind of agreement with the Labour Party if the Labour Party wins enough seats to cobble a government together their price for that surely would be electoral reform and so you can't see a a great deal of Labour politicians in Westminster talking about that of course there are individual MPs who are on board with that but what's interesting is Andy Burnham has come out in support for proportional representation. And you just wonder, is this Mm. kind of, has he got eyes? He is someone who's often touted as a potential future Labour leader, though he doesn't have Mm. a... Don't, he doesn't have a constituency, but he is, is he got one eye on potentially that idea of working together with other parties in future, because that's something that they'd have to discuss with the Lib Dems as well. But on a on a more theoretical level, even if they're not going to enter into some kind of formal pact with the Labour Party, they do have an influence on what the main parties argue for. So like when I interviewed Carla Denyer at the Green Party conference last year, she's you mentioned her earlier, India, one of the co-leaders, while they were selling themselves as this new electoral force who had our eye on winning, they also still accepted that part a big part of the role that they play in British politics is to influence a little bit like UKIP and the 
EU referendum. That part of their job is to pull the parties towards a certain direction. I think the way that she put it was part of our job here as Greens is to help pull the Overton window in the right direction arguing for bold climate policies. And then, of course, Sidi Khan or, or the main political parties adopting some green policies. So, India, do you think that influence will only get stronger, even if you know they don't necessarily manage to overcome the first-past-the-post hurdles come the next election? I think that was a really interesting response I got to my, well, for my piece from the, Sam Hall, the director of the Conservative Environment Network. And when I said it is the Greens kind of just a protest vote, and he, he was very clear. He said, look, the success of the Greens in the local election, it's a strong message to the government that green policies are an asset. They're not a liability, mm. that they, that people are not turned off by them. And if anything, they're turned on. And that, like the more the government can listen to that, perhaps the better. Yeah. And I suppose the big challenge now will be for them to overcome this thing, Ben, that you mentioned, having different policies, particularly about planning in different areas, trying to appeal to these this sort of disparate cloud of demographics that they've, they've got in their sites. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm a bit of a cynic and I'm so sorry. I, I do think, <laughs> regrettably, they are just the Lib Dems. They, 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 have, they have occupied the space of the Lib Dems because, again, you see them opposing housing developments in one like, uh, locale and supporting developments in another. And that's what the Lib Dems do. That's what Labour does. That's what every party does. They need to. They're currently succeeding based on local issues at the moment. Environment helps them, absolutely. The disaffection with Starmat helps them as well, not to mention, obviously, the disaffection with the government. But they, if they want to translate that to a national performance in a general election that that is more than just coming close in Bristol, and doing better in Norwich, they've got to define themselves on a national level again. Natalie Bennett did that. She did that rather well. She was she she positioned herself as to the left of Ed Miliband, and Ed Miliband at times, I think, did feel pressured, although mm. not by as much, because he was more pressured by UKIP and the Conservatives and the economy, UKIP and immigration. I think they've got to just reassess, do they want to go down that route again? Do they want to be the Natalie Bennett type Greens, or do they want to perhaps attempt to occupy Lib Demi position, a Ger Germany's Greens, in, in that they still have appeal with Conservative voters, of which there are a lot of disaffected ones. There, there is a huge pool out there that they could be going for. But is it in the Green Party's mindset to do it? Is it in the Green Party's own activist nature to do that? I'm not so sure. Yeah. Yeah, it's tough because actually something they were grappling with when I interviewed the two leaders shortly after they'd been elected was questions uh, about insulate Britain and Extinction Rebellion. And I suppose we now have other sort of forms of direct action that have uh, made the headlines since then. And they kind of were distancing themselves from those groups at the time. Perhaps that's tacking to the more Lib Demi route that you were describing. Well, thank you so much for joining us, both of you. That was a really good discussion. And we will, of course, be looking at other parties in depth in podcast episodes to come. You've been listening to the New Statesman podcast with me, Anusha Kellyan, and my colleagues Ben Walker and India Bork. We're produced by May Robson and Adrian Bradley, and our music is Devil with the Devil, licensed under Creative Commons. Thanks so much for listening, and don't forget to subscribe and leave us a nice review. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. 
At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.